0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We will continue tonight to read from Jijiva Goswami's Paramatma Sundarbha. We've come to a new section of the Sundarbha. Anuchedas 82 through 92 will deal with Maya's relation with the Jiva and with the Paramatma. In the last discussion, we went over the 82nd Anuchedha, The jiva is covered by the potency of Paramatma. And just to remind ourselves, that was centered on a verse, again from the 12th canto, 4th chapter. As a dense cloud, though generated by the heat of the sun and made visible by the light of the sun, obstructs the eye, which is part of the sun, from beholding the sun, so the ego, which is an attribute of Brahman, Brahmaguna, and illuminated by it, Tad-Iksita, obstructs the individual Atma, which is an integrated part of Brahman, from revealing Brahman. Simple meaning is the sun, which is certainly distinct from the creation of clouds, although its energy produces the cloud, the cloud is coming of its own according, according to the sun the circumstance of the environment. The Paramatma similarly can obstruct our vision of his very self with his external potency. So Jiva gives the following as an explanation. Just as a dense cloud, which is generated, revealed, and illuminated by the sun alone, is darkness for the eyes, which are part of the sun, meaning that the dense cloud Clouds plunge the earth and sky into abject darkness. In the same way, the phenomenal eye consciousness, which is an attribute of Brahman, meaning that it is a product of Paramatma's potency, and which is glanced upon by that Brahman, i.e. illuminated by Paramatma, is bondage for the individual Atma. This is to say that it covers the light of the essential nature of the Jiva, which is an integrated part of Brahman, meaning that it is an infinitesimal portion of Paramatma's intermediary potency. So we'll continue tonight with the next Anupcheta. What Jiva is presenting is the nature of the relationship of the Lord's external energy with both the jiva and paramatma. So here we're speaking about the relationship of the external energy with the jiva. So we continue. Liberation is this is the next Anucheta, by the grace of paramatma. Jiva Goswami writes here, Sri Suka continues with the same example in the next verse to explain that the removal of such misidentification... Adasya, does not happen automatically or by one's own effort, but only by inquiring into Paramatma and through his influence. But all these verses from the fourth chapter of the twelfth canto, Jiva Goswami has presented here in chronological order. This whole section of his Paramatma Sandarbha has been a presentation and a commentary on a section of verses where Sukadev Goswami is concluding his instructions to Maharaj Parikshit. We're just coming to the end of this series of verses, as Jiva Goswami is going to use them in his Paramatma Sundarbha. but he's going through them chronologically and use them to bring out certain points. He's presented these verses primarily to refute the Vartavad and to give us a proper understanding. So the next verse that's quoted from from this same fourth chapter, now we're up to the 33rd verse from the Bhagavatam. As soon as the cloud generated by the sun is scattered... The eye sees both its own nature as well as the sun. Similarly, when the self's adjunct, upadi, of phenomenal eye consciousness, ahankara, is destroyed by the inquiry into paramatma, the self becomes fixed in remembrance of its own essential nature and of paramatma. Jiva Goswami explains the verse as follows: In the portion of the verse providing the comparison as soon as the cloud generated by the sun is scattered, it is evident that such scattering is accomplished not through the capacity of the eyes, but only through the influence of the sun. From this analogy, it is clear, in the portion being illustrated by the example also, that the phenomenal I, here when he's speaking of phenomenal I, he's talking about the I in relationship with the external energy, phenomenal I consciousness is destroyed or vanished only through the mercy of Paramatma, which which arises when one inquires into him, jignasaya, this part of the verse refutes the idea that the dissipation of the phenomenal ego can, ego can be accomplished merely through the living being's own attainment of knowledge. Jignasa, very first sutra of the Brahma Sutra, Atato Brahma Jignasa. Inquire, now's the time to inquire into Brahman. So, Jiva goes on. Therefore, Vivatavad is not accepted here. It is also being made clear. Now, remember, what's Vivatavad? What is their philosophy that's that's clearly not supported here? What's not supported is the fact that if you dissipate your ignorance, which is their belief, simply to acquire knowledge... Of your true self, it's all that's required. Then the illusion of material life will blow away, <laughs> just like a cloud. But here, is saying, did you blow the cloud away? The analogy doesn't support vivarta Vod because the sun's energy actually created the wind that blew the cloud away. You had nothing to do with it. So to say that our acquisition of knowledge, in and of itself, is sufficient to dissipate the ignorance that has created the material world that you think exists—it's an illusion. It's a mirage. It's—it doesn't exist. Material life, in their estimation, there's nothing there. Jiva says, "Well, that the analogy that Sukadev Goswami has put forth here, because this." section of the Bhagavatam is referred to and utilized by the followers of Sankaracharya as validity for their viewpoint. Jiva's gone through it verse by verse by verse and said he systematically presented them and refuted them and given us the proper commentary on the verses. So it's, it's extremely significant. So, therefore, Vivartavada is not accepted here. It is also being made clear that, clear by use of the qualifying term Upadhi, adjunct, applied the phenomenal ego, ahankar, that the authentic I-consciousness that is intrinsic to one's true spiritual nature is indeed distinct from the phenomenal ego. Jiva is making it clear that there is also proper conception of ahankar. You do have a true sense of being. It's not that there's no individual sense of self. Again, Vivartavad would say, your sense of self becomes your sense of Brahman. You now become Brahman. He continues, Thus, just as in the example, it is due to the removal of the covering of abject darkness caused by the dense clouds and due to the resultant attainment of its capacity to see through the sun's influence. That the eye as agent, as subject, sees its true nature, Swarup, its object. The eye then becomes aware of the existence of its luminous nature, meaning that it is enabled to exercise its power of seeing." Sometimes the eye turns toward the sun to look at it and does and does see it. In the portion being exemplified as well, it is said one should remember, meaning that the jiva gains the capacity to remember or to seek out awareness of him. The words atma and paramatma should both be added as the object of the verb remember. Anusmarat to complete the sense of the last sentence. I'm just going to read some highlights of the commentary. Some commentaries indeed have explained these verses, meaning the verses we're discussing from the twelfth canto, from the vivartavad point of view. But such an interpretation would contradict the mood, heart, and intention of both Sukadev and Parikshit, which were expressed in the very beginning of and Darba. Keeping this in mind and thus providing a a harmonious meaning, Sri Jiva reveals the real purport of these verses. Now the commentary goes on to explain that no one actually can become liberated just by knowledge alone. It's not possible to simply remove knowledge and therefore liberation is attained. A sense of liberation is attained. So we do have in the Mukta a sense that he has removed the illusions of maya. But until there is a pinch of bhakti, as revealed in our understanding of the, of the shastra, until there is some bhakti, his liberation is not complete. He can't attain complete liberation without bhakti. So, all the followers of Sankaracharya, all the Mayavad, what we call radical non dualism, they do not attain bhakti in the viewpoint of the bhaktas. Well they won't attain bhakti, nor will they attain Brahman, which is their intent, the intent of their of their worship. There's no possibility of attainment of the moksha, the liberation in Brahman, that they desire without at least a pinch of appropriate understanding and appreciation for the other aspects of the Supreme. Because Bhakti entails some appreciation of the form of the Lord that has to be there. Name, form, qualities, pastimes, at least you have to understand that the Lord can have also a form, and he can also have an aspect uh, that is formless. So you want to merge into the formless, but you can't do that completely discounting the form. Brahmavadis, they'd have to have that much of a proper concept. The radical non-dualists are the followers of Sankaracharya, which we classify as the Mayavad philosophies, there's no possibility from our viewpoint of their attaining any perfection there. Except in a couple instances which have been brought to our attention, like a devotee thinks favorably in the of them in their endeavor. And just by that blessing of a, of the bhakta, that can be enough bhakti yes, sir.
1: So the but Shugadeva Swami, he he, had, he was Jivan Mukta, right? Yes. But so, but he he had some he had attained some stage of Mukti, yeah?
0: Yeah, Jivan Mukta.
1: Jivan Mukta. Yes. So, all right, I'm confused.
0: So, he, but he didn't have a mis any misconceptions. Okay. What's being spoken of here in this section of this of just,
1: the? You're just, it's just the like, that radical
0: non-dualism. I was speaking of radical non-dualism. Right. So he wasn't yet touched by bhakti, but he wasn't contaminated by any misconceptions. The misconceptions being a false interpretation of what's presented in scripture. So, kind of the
1: question arises, is you say that Paramatma covers himself as the sun covers itself with a cloud. Yes. So then the sort of natural question is, is there some, for me at least, is there some impetus for the for, for Paramatma to cover himself? In other words, is there some reason that, um, you know, is it some attitude on my part, or is there something that I've done that he would want to cover himself? Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense, and the answer is anadi. Anadi,
1: just, yeah, just that way since time immemorial.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is Anadi. We can't say Paramatma had a, an initial desire. We can't trace out a beginning to that time when there was a, a portion of his energy and his Jiva Shakti and his Maya Shakti interacted and full awareness of him wasn't, wasn't available to certain. You can't trace out that beginning. Commentary. In, in our conditioned state, we have no power to escape our own conditioning even if we are situated in knowledge we cannot get rid of this conditioning because knowledge is also part of maya namely sattva gun so that's an important point that's we've also came across a verse where Krishna said that I am the source of both knowledge and ignorance These are my two shaktis in the material world. This was discussed in Anucheta 54. When Arjuna posed the question, how to transcend the gunas of Prakriti, Krishna explicitly replied that only by undeviated devotion can one go beyond the gunas. 1426 a person who serves me alone, through undeviated devotion, completely transcends the gunas of nature, and becomes eligible to realize Brahman. This refutes the theory of vivarta-vad, which states that when one attains knowledge of Brahman, one will cease to be bound by the universe that doesn't really mean that they can't attain a stage of jivanmukta where they're not bound by the laws of karma. Because they have, to a very great extent, as exemplified by Sukadev Goswami himself, he was free of karma. In fact, if there's going to be karma, I'm not coming out of the womb.
1: But he was hearing from a pure devotee
0: while well, he was in the womb he was hearing his father he was yes. a pure devotee so. but that's not according to Bhagavat when his devotion began. Right. He wasn't hearing bhakti. We need to be clear on the fact that the Bhagavat says his hearing began his interest did not begin in the womb his interest began in the forest when some of Srila Vyasadeva's disciples chanted verses from Bhagavatam, that instilled a desire on his part to hear. That was the it
1: could have could it have been, I mean of course that speculation that hearing from the pure devotee was kind of gave him a a potential.
0: Well we can speculate all we want or we can go thing. by go by what the Bhagavat says, what was the what was the inspiration to to bring him to bhakti and it was hearing the verses from the Bhagavatam we could say well he heard the voice of somebody that was a devotee of Krishna just the sound vibration alone but that's not what the Shastra says I appreciate your viewpoint but we have to accept what yeah it's
1: just different lessons like who was it Palladha Narada that was when a woman heard from the
0: psychiatrist uh-huh. Pallad, yes yeah, so but stories. he was hearing bhakti
1: different stories have
0: different purposes well again bhakti perlad was hearing hearing katha mm-hmm. similarly just hearing a hearing a pure devotee speak he may not be speaking katha so you could say his influence in and of itself is enough to to stimulate bhakti but but in the case of Prahlad, he was speaking bhakti to him in the womb with intent of arising within the intent. So there has to be an intent on the part of the bhakta to instill bhakti. That would be the important point. The intent of the devotee is to, to, to stimulate bhakti. So when that intent is there, then we'll read on. The problem lies at the level of a hunkar which is above manas and buddhi. Even if one realizes that one is not the body and thus becomes jivanmukta, how would he become free from ahankar, tatva and mahatatva? They will still linger on and one can make the mistake of confusing the mahat or pradhan, which is also sometimes called Brahman. Now this is interesting, little thing from the Yoga Sutra. Then one can merge in Prakriti and stay there indefinitely, as hinted in the Yoga Sutra. This is the Yoga Sutra. For some who are unembodied and are merged in matter, the state of some Prajnata Samadhi is characterized by absorption in prakriti. So now we're talking about another attainment for those that are like the Jivan Mukta, but they merge because they don't have a conception of the Supreme, they don't have that pinch of bhakti. This commentary seems to give rise to a to an attainment that they can have of simply merging into Pradhan or the material energy itself. Not into the Supreme, not into Brahman, but into that undifferentiated energy of of Paramatma that becomes, becomes a material manifestation. So they can get it, with the wrong conception. Again, the con, the prop, proper conceptualization of the goal of one's meditation is very significant. What do I do? I chant Hare Krishna. We have a specific goal in mind. Our goal is, is being... We may not have it down. It may be still a bit nebulous. But it really isn't. If we knew how much energy the whole Sampradaya has put into this presentation which we're receiving, I mean, all these great pure devotees have put all their bhakti, shakti into the Sampradaya's presentation of Krishna and It's so overwhelming that it can dissipate the majority of any misconceptions if we will simply open ourselves up to submissive hearing. The problem is submissive. We hold on to misconceptions. We become fixed in our ways. We become fixed in in not being open to all that bhakti wants to give us and we become sectarian, we become uh, sectarian about the guru, we become sectarian about the, we maintain Kanista viewpoints. Bhakti has so much to offer, but we have to really have an open consciousness to move forward. As Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Dev Goswami says, it's a continual process of acceptance and rejection we're not rejecting bhakti, we're rejecting our misconceptions of bhakti. That's what he's referring to. You have to be willing to, when you heard you were with playing with Krishna and you fell down, and then along comes definitive evidence, to the contrary, supported by the Sampradaya, then you have to say, why did my guru say that so many times? and you have to be willing to to hear and and understand properly and move beyond any misconceptions you may have formed not that your guru was, has a misconception he did was in no bewilderment he says in his bhagavatam commentary where the to- topics discussed it is a fact it's like a Parivash sutra. It's like if This is the fact. No one falls for my kunta. Or whether it's a Jiva Goswami. I've spoken in a certain way because that's that's appropriate for the day and the culture that I was preaching in. So what I said, there's only... A, the ideal is Swakya, Parakya is, is not the ideal. Krishna never really did that. These kind of things you have to understand deeply. And Krishna will always provide those opportunities. But if we're adamant, if we're like holding on to our views and not hearing submissively, then we're going to be stuck. It's like quicksand, You can drown in those because that when we get stuck in a misconception, well, that's okay. Having some misconceptions is not a problem. What's a problem is when we think our misconceptions trump other people's, you know, trump what could be the possible proper viewpoint. At the core of Prabhupada's statements regarding falling, he says it doesn't happen. That's his core statement. But he's made a lot of other statements that you were with Krishna (laughs) and you chose to come here. This This is an important point to understand so this is interesting this uh, that this is presented here by looking at the yoga sutra by sachin aryan das that there can be this other kind of liberation in an unembodied not a material body and just merged into prakriti absorption in prakriti we see support for this idea where in the Brihat Bhagavatam Rita, as Gopha Kumar is going through the different levels as he's exiting the, the material universe, he goes through all the different layers of the universe. And they're overwhelmingly joyful for him. Gloriously joyful in that he speaks somewhat like that in the Brihat Bhagavatam Rita. Then he comes to Brahman, and then it's like really overwhelming as he starts to enter into the spiritual realm. So we can see that this idea is somewhat supported even by his experiences relayed by Sanatana Swami in the Brihat Bhagavatam The word upadi, qualifying atmana, in this verse indicates that the pure self has its own intrinsic I-consciousness besides the phenomenal I-consciousness, or Ahankar Tattva, an Evolute of Pradhan. This also contradicts the principle of Vivartavad, which does not admit any I-consciousness in the liberated state of the Jiva. Indeed, without a real I, it would be difficult to explain superimposition of the material eye because a real substratum is necessary for a jasha. Only real can produce real. If there's a potty, there's an imposition. A potty is applied to an imposition on something that's real to make it look like something it isn't, but it doesn't mean it isn't. It just looks like something else. It looks like a red crystal when in fact it's a clear crystal. So the jiva is itself a clear, pure self. The apati is the I consciousness in relationship to matter. So when we talk about an illusion, there has to be a reality upon which the illusion is based. If we're talking about a snake, and we're seeing it as a snake in the in the in the semi darkness, and the lights come on and we see it's a rope. Well, it looked like a snake because we've seen a snake, and when we saw the snake, it made us it frightened us. So the rope frightened us, like a snake would. But it only frightened us because we've had experience of a snake. Uh, one more verse just to support the idea that. There's no getting out of material energy just by knowledge is from the Bhagavad Gita. Again, 14th verse, 7th chapter. This divine energy, potency of mind, is difficult to overcome. Yet those that take refuge in me can easily cross beyond it. Jiva Goswami will proceed in the next annocheta to discuss ultimate dissolution again in line with what he's presenting here regarding false ego. We have to see we're we're coming up to the to the end of the use of the verses from the fourth chapter of the twelfth canto. Now he's talking he's again, these are the final instructions to, to perfect shit. And he's preparing him to to attain liberation. Jiva's continuing in that same line, so it, the same subject that he presented earlier is going to come up again, but sequentially. So begin there in the next class with Anucheta eighty four. Any questions? This idea of
1: having we were talking. Uh... Madhavinder and I were talking today about the role of knowledge in bhakti, mm-hmm. and then this idea of like having the proper conception is kind of it seems it's kind of central to this particular section that you're, we're talking about. Right. So I'm just trying to because
0: you have commentators that code this to support their right. uh, Vivartavad. But yes.
1: like if I have the wrong conception, I could end up you know in some other place like a. If I don't know how to read a map, I turn it upside down and I go, you know, I, I thinking I'm going the right way and I end up. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of what's happened, right, with the yogi who ends up in Pradhan somewhere. Right? He's kind of...
0: Well, he's attained blissfulness. I mean, the Lord's have fulfilled his desire as he attained the Brahman. Then you'd say, well, was there any difference between that Brahman and the other Brahman? Right. Well, subjectively maybe, uh, ontologically, but...
1: So, all right, but it, say you you know we have someone who they practice bhakti right for their throughout their life, and they right. they have the right conception, but they don't finish, yeah, right. then they come back. They don't have so much of a conception, but they have this some sort of relationship or something, or what do we call that a conception?
0: They have a conception because they've been with bhaktis. they may not realize how their heart has been affected,
1: okay, so, okay but that
0: impression, that impression is there that impression of bhakti is made on the chitta the chitta is, is the young is a truly unconscious uh-huh. portion right. of the heart so that impression on the chitta is there and that impression is coming through the association of the bhaktas okay. with intent which is key the right. the intent is there okay. so therefore they're going to continue where they left off with other association that's divinely arranged according to that until until the progress is made to the stages of my understanding of based on madhurya Kadamati, until the impressions are made beyond the stage of just ruchi once you get into a shakti, and there's there's some some true ideal of what is Krishna, uh-huh. because when we get to a shakti, then we we see we see the supreme, and as we start to, it starts to become clear this p- p- picture of the supreme for us. At, at the beginning stages, that conception is revolves around what's presented from the guru coming in a lineage. So we're in the Brahma Madhva of Sampradaya. The ideal of that Sampradaya is, is Krishna in Vraj or Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Navadvip. So that's, that's the ideal that that Sampradaya is, is putting forth in different relationships and we would say that you know, when we add Gaudiya then those relationships focus on Midoriya and Sakya that's the real windows of opportunity that that Sabradaya offers so from my reading of Midoriya Kadamati until the Sadika has reached the stage where that some predaic influence would start to manifest within as an as an outcome of, of the sadna and mm. the hearing and chanting, then there's still the possibility of a change in the, in the ideal. Mm. Like I have a god brother who's was who an associate our associate and a disciple of Prabhupada, but his ideal is Vaikuntha. So he had to to associate with someone as powerful as Prabhupada mm-hmm. and come away with that ideal. We can see, and we can also see in other things that are evident by his his, his the way he practices bhakti and his knowledge that he had already been far enough along mm-hmm. that he'd already developed that ideal. Mm-hmm.
1: He went to the three sampradayas.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, our Prabhupada even introduced, uh, you know, Sita Ram temples. So there must have been some some people that, that would have that that inclination. So, in that part of the world, however, that if it was just one devotee, it would be enough for someone, oh, okay, here, let me give you a temple to continue on your ideal. You know, the powerful devotees can do that.
1: I don't know if that answers your yeah, question. Yeah, right. to get into.
0: It. Yeah. So once once we start getting a taste for for specifically, mm-hmm. an interesting thing that I heard in that regard is something that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami mentioned to his disciples when they were on Parikram during the Kartik season and they were touring Vrindavan And these were devotees who had been chanting for 20 years, you know. Mm -hmm. So, he said, now we're on this parikram, something to that effect, that if some inclination has started to come to you, you can continue to chant and think more of that inclination. Giving them some, okay, now, now it's time to... I can see that you've developed a taste of the holy name and you've developed you know, that taste alone means that you're you know, you've that you're you're really chanting with some relish. And now it's time for let's move on, but sigh move on beyond Ruchi, where you're having a taste from doing the service, and start start your conceptualization. Mm-hmm. So as any if there's any of the Leela that we're discussing on this parikram that's that starting that really gives you relish, you can you can take that as an indication. He didn't say a lot, but I, I, you know, he said enough to say. So, if, if during this some some leela has really gives you some relish, then that's a that's an indication. Whatever that may be, for those fortunate enough to have some inclinations. All good fortune to you. Thank you so much.